This is Feed, Play, Love, a podcast especially for the parents and carers of small children. I'm your host, Siobhan Hunt. Over the years, I've spoken to some really interesting people about parenting, and this next interview is one from our collection. I hope you enjoy it. Children today have so many opportunities. The extracurricular activities on offer are many and exciting. As parents, you can be told that some extracurricular activities are really great for their development, such as music, or great for their social skills, like sport. Then you can read about how our kids are overscheduled and that they just need free time to play. So what is the best path to take? Anthony Saman is an early education consultant at Saman and Slattery. Hi, Anthony. How are you? I'm really well. How are you going? Good. So what's your take on extracurriculars? Are they good for kids? Well, that's a really big question (laughs) that half your listeners are going to feel guilty and the other half will clap. I don't know who's going to clap and who's going to feel guilty. (laughs) Look, I've been talking to parents about this lately since I knew I was going to come onto this um, program and their, their thinking varies as I would have expected. Let me just tell you, everybody wanted what was best for their child. Everybody could justify going to a kinder gym, all this stuff. I was really interesting. I was tracking my emotions when people were telling me about what they did with their child. And, you know, it really wasn't if they were doing it or not. It was what they were doing. So I heard of a four-year-old who's getting tutoring. Yes, learning how to read at four with a tutor. And I thought, hmm, interesting. Who is that about? And, you know, the more I spoke to people, the more I realised... Is your child really interested? And secondly, as a parent, do you have the skills to do this rather than outsourcing? So a a dear friend of mine, Chris, has a um, baby Evie, um, lovely, gorgeous little child who I met recently. And he's a gym instructor. And I spoke to him about this. And he said, oh, I'm going swimming with Evie. I said, oh, she's in swim school. He goes, no, it's me and her. I can teach her how to swim. Now, this is the thing. He could outsource this and watch on the sideline. But he said, as a young dad, it is the most precious thing to take his child swimming. And so this will depend on the parent's competence as well. If you can do it, do it. Because you're going to be there anyway. Yes. You're going to be watching. So it's not like (laughs) you can take them there and say, I'm going to Kmart or DJs for half an hour. You're there. The other thing is sometimes children want to socialize or parents want their child to socialize with other children. Track your child's joy. Like, are they having fun doing this? Because, you know, um, my dear friend Wendy, who loves all things French, sent her child Eves to ballet classes. It didn't work. Like, it lasted an hour. (laughs) And then, like, all these French activities, you know, and he just hated every moment of it. And she says, I just want him in a pink tutu. (laughs) And he didn't want a bar of it. So, you know, she argued it was about her. In hindsight, she knew it was about her, not about him. So, you know, children are busy. Are you thinking, it sounds like you believe in a child-led approach to extracurriculars. Would that be right? Look, but you do have to be exposed to something to know if you like it. True. You know, a child may not like it until they're exposed to it. Which is awesome once you've paid for the fees. You've got to <laughs> like it. <clears throat> what about that? Okay, so that brings up something that has often happened, that 
you might enroll your child in something and they hate it, but you've paid for it. So in your mind, you're thinking, well, I've got to teach them to that sometimes you have to stick with something. Mm. Is the lesson there? What, what, what would you suggest? What would I do? Yeah. I would take what would them, Anthony do? I would take them to watch the lesson for a couple of weeks before I enroll them into anything. Because, you know, you could sit there and say, you know, do you want to go and play soccer? And they might go, yes. Until they go and see it, are they really going to know what it is? I was a child who played soccer, okay? Did I love the idea of it? Yes, but I hated wearing shoes. And so I went to these soccer lessons. I mean, I yes, I was kicked off the soccer club because I would only go on barefooted. You know, <laughs> I didn't want to put shoes on. And I thought I was quite capable playing with no shoes on. And my dad did say, but we've paid for this. And I'm like, well, I'm happy to be here, but I didn't know you had to wear your shoes all the time. So I think before you expose your child to it, do yourself a favour and do your child a favour and let them go and watch others because they'll see what happens throughout that lesson. They can see how long it goes for and just see, like, if you're taking your child to watch dance, are they dancing around while they're watching it? Like, or are they sitting there in fear going, this is not for me? And usually, you know, they can articulate it at the end. You can say, what did you think? Do you want to be part of this? And if they say no, then maybe, one, it's not for them or maybe it's not the right class in terms of them testing it out, mm. how do you encourage a child to give something a go if they just don't want to try anything? Or is it okay just to say don't try anything? It's okay. I mean, you know, many kids thrive and grow without extra things in their lives. Many parents have an ambition for their child to be good and do good in the world. And some of this may be born out of extracurricular activities, but... Let's think about what that could look like. You know, the social justice in me says an extracurricular activity is feeding the homeless on Christmas Day. You know, it's doing good for the world. It's doing good for your community. Some kids don't want to try things out, and I think this is where you say, let's come to an agreement. We'll try it out. Let's say we'll try, try it three times, and after three, if you don't like it, we can opt out. Because it does take a while to love something. Think your gym membership. Do you know what I mean? Like yes. we, we opt in. We have all these dreams. We buy a new outfit. We go for a couple of classes. Then we go, ugh, can't be bothered. Sometimes you just need someone to say, I'm going to meet you there. No excuses. Come along. And so if you know your child gets a little bit of joy out of it, you might want to weave something around it. Now, this is not coercion. But you might say, hey, after class, we're going to have a milkshake together. We'll go out for lunch, you know, because you can see the benefit in this. Because in your head, you might say, this is going to really aid my child in their concentration. It's going to challenge them. It's going to stretch them. They're not going to love it, but I know there's a benefit. So how is there a reward or a thank you to my child for persisting in this? And it, can we teach that kind of persistence to our, with our kids? And if we can, what age is appropriate to try and teach them? Because you're obviously not going to teach a two-year-old to persist at no. I don't know, kinder gym or whatever it is you do it to. So is there an age that it's appropriate to try and instill that idea of um, you need to put in the work to get the reward? The concept sounds ideal and fantastic for an adult. Children usually persist on things they get joy out of. You know, they say in change theory, you have to get more out than what you put in. 
if I'm putting all this energy in and I'm getting very little out, then I'm not going to do it. Why would I persist in doing this? And so I've seen many children persist at things that they enjoy, but we're measuring it against the tasks that we think are important. You know, so for example, many children love cooking. They will sit there and they will cook in the kitchen with you and they'll help with the dough or whatever it is, chop the veggies, because they like it. Yet, give them another activity that lasts that long and within three minutes they've walked away. And this is why parents who know their children really well know when to kind of push your child a little bit further and say, I know you like this, maybe just a bit tight, let's keep going. Or deep down, if you know this is not for them, you've got to opt out and just don't think about how much you paid for those 10 lessons. Or ask beforehand, be really upfront and say, we're just trialing this. I don't know if my child's going to enjoy this. Instead of buying 10 classes, is there an option to buy five? Because you don't also want to waste money on something you don't know if your child's going to persist in. And many programs do offer a little trial period as well. Mm. Yeah. But persistence is important. It is in life. Okay. What about those um, children who are type A, I guess, Mm. and want to do everything and you've got them in piano one afternoon. Let's assume they love all of it. Piano one afternoon, ballet the next, uh, swimming the next, and then they end up having something on nearly every day of the week and then probably on the weekends. If they show a passion and they're getting joy out of all of it, what is our role as a, a parent in that situation in terms of I mean, you could probably tell where I'm coming from with this in that I I see children being overscheduled and I think it's a shame. Like there's no free space for them just to be. But then some children do really show a drive to be engaged Mm. in lots of things. As a parent, what's the best thing to do there? Learn to say no. Learn to make the right choices with and on behalf of your child because your child belongs to a family. And you don't want a parent who has no time for themselves because their child is overscheduled. And I think if there's some level of resentment, and I mean, I hear families who say, you know, I'm only free one night a week and on Saturday I'm just driving my kids everywhere. And yes, their child might enjoy it, but if the parent's not enjoying it, you belong to this network called a family. And sometimes you might have to say, that's probably an activity we can pick up next year if we decide to let go of something because family time is precious and it would be nice for three nights a week for us just to come home, have our tea together and just chill as a family. I know you want to take up whatever it is. Fencing. Fencing. (laughs) French fencing. But one, money may not be available to invest in that or two, you think, my child's looking really tired Monday to Friday going to school. And actually, whilst they might like doing it, their well-being is being compromised because their energy levels in the morning and I really need them to concentrate um, when they come home from school, not be so kind of, well, concentrate on themselves, not concentrate on activity, or perhaps concentrate on some schoolwork if they're older kids, not be distracted. Yeah, I think there's a balance there that has to be struck between what we'd like to do and what we can do. And what we can do involves decisions what's about what's best for the whole family, not just for the child. Anthony, thank you so much for your time today. You're most welcome. That's Anthony Saman. He's an early education consultant at Saman and Slattery. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to get in touch, 
email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.